Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. But, um, Good. So today... So fear. Yeah. <laughs> fear. Fear. Fear, fear, fear. Oh, my word. Um, a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear going on out in the... Uh, like I mentioned... You know, ecological fear. I think there's uh, fear of um, political fear. I think there's fear of sustainability and this environment that we're in. I think there's individual and personal fear of, of not being enough, not doing enough, not getting enough. Maybe things are not looking the way that we think we'd like them to look. Um, I know, um, you know, one of the fears that I've encountered a lot in the individual sessions that I do is fear of people standing up for themselves, mm. fear, fear of people taking a stand for themselves. And, and, you know, what happens, and I've seen it over and over again, um, people are sometimes afraid to express their opinion and, or take a stand for themselves or, and, and not in an angry way, not in a mean way, but, you know, like honestly express how they mm. feel. And then because they haven't honestly expressed how they feel, then they get resentful. And it's a brutal cycle. And it's like, well, it's like, well, you know what? You didn't, you didn't tell people what that's, was going on. That's a so. beautiful quote. I, I, uh, where did I hear that? Somebody said, I, I think it may have been my pastor, Corey said this to me and I, I've, I've like held on to it, but he said like an unspoken need is a, is a resentment. Like that's all it is. It is. <laughs> An unspoken need it is, is a resentment. And, and that's just true. Like if you're shutting your mouth and you're not talking and, and you're not actually actively like saying what you need, there's no way for people to read your mind. And unfortunately, I mean, oh man, yeah. so much of my life has been caught in that crossfire of, of like, I'll just be nice enough and <laughs> cordial enough and kind enough and all those things and agreeable enough that people will obviously understand what I'm thinking. And no, the answer is like, no, we got to be. They, they so don't. They don't. Clear. We got to be really, we got to be specific yeah. about it. And I, I was talking to somebody today about it and, and he said, well, I don't want to get angry with them. And I, I said, you know what, there's a difference between expressing that I feel angry, I'm feeling some anger right now, and and actually yelling anger yes. or acting on anger. So there's uh, anger is an appropriate emotion to have. We just got to be careful that if we have it, that our, that we're not acting on it in a way that's mm, harmful. Right, right. You know, it's it's okay to tell somebody I'm, I'm feeling angry. And... Um, because you know, most a lot of the great wisdom teachers would tell us that unattended to fear can manifest itself in anger. Dude, it can. Yeah, I I think I think you're right, and I think unattended to fear is like like standing water in a dishwasher. It's 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 yeah toxic, and it, it starts <laughs> yeah it's it starts to con it starts to compound yes, itself. Yes, and 
you know, and, and and when we feel minimized, we feel like we're being not listened to or not 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 heard or not noticed or whatever. And um, and so you know, we have a tendency to retreat rather than being honest about what we're mm. feeling. And it's it's really hard. It's not it's not easy for a lot of people. But I think you know what happens for us is 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 if we keep compounding that fear. We run the risk of becoming like so stuck. It's you know I've seen people you know slipping into agoraphobia. You know they can't leave the house. They're so afraid yeah. that if they're not attending to what's frightening or really uncomfortable for them, um, they it they, they just close down. They they just can't show up for life. And I think so. You know having fear. I was just reading this mm -hmm. today. From you know, it talks about Georgia, o the great artist jo Georgia O'Keeffe, um, and she was just riddled with fear um, all of her life. And she's one of the great artists, great American artists, you know, with a really unique perspective. She said, um, "I lived with unbearable fear all of my life." Is what mm. she said. She said, "The difference is I didn't act on it." Mm. Mm. There's a difference between having fear and acting yeah. on fear. She said, I continued to do my work. I continued to move through it despite my fear of being judged, my fear of being ridiculed, my fear of not measuring up mm. or doing what I needed to do. And she said, she said, and so, you know, I feel like I was able to accomplish a lot in my life because I didn't let the fear dictate the choices that I made. That's beautiful. And I love that because it's, it's, it's allowing like it's allowing fear to be a thing because we can't we can't just disallow fear like you can't negate it completely it's an no. honest emotion and it comes up i think what it is is it's like it's the fire starter and it's there to start the fire it's not there to be the whole fire it's almost as if you like started right. a fire with like you know lighter fluid and you're you're pouring on the lighter fluid to get the fire started okay but you got a real issue if you just keep pouring <laughs> the lighter fluid and you're relying yeah. on that you're gonna blow your hand off right i mean it, it's the same the same yeah. is true with us we're mm -hmm. that fear is a signal it's it's to pay attention to something in me that oh wait okay hold on that's a feeling i need to react where do i need to react but it's it's that moment of like coming to our senses and going, okay, ooh, yeah, I felt that. So what's next? Rather than, ooh, okay, I felt that. And I'm just going to ride that <laughs> into the ground. And I, I have a perfect story. I'm so glad we did this topic today because um, I literally journaled about this this morning. My um, my yearly review for work was the, was this morning. So it was uh, today. And, uh, and I thought it was on Friday. So I had it in my whole, like my whole week has just been like, oh yeah, that's on Friday. So I'll just, <laughs> the natural procrastinator inside of me is like, I don't have to deal with that yet. Like we'll, we'll deal with that on a 24 hour basis. Uh, but I woke today and on my calendar, there it is, 9, 9.30 a.m. Uh, I have to, or I'm sorry, I woke up yesterday and found that out. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's tomorrow. Like I don't have, I don't have the extra day to like procrastinate these hard feelings I'm dealing with which I, I'm really proud of what I do at my job and I do it well, but at the same time, it's a, yeah, it's a work from home job. I barely have any interaction with my boss. And so it's scary. Like when I get those, I'm like, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on or what I could be in trouble for. Mm -hmm. All of those things begin to creep up. And I got so nervous last night. Like I, Chelsea and I went out to this pizza place 
in my neighborhood, I ate like a whole pizza. This all manifested in my eating. Oh I ate my. A whole Roberta's pizza for those of you who know what Roberta's is. And then after that, I ate like three massive cookies <laughs> from this place. Just all without even thinking. I wasn't even, I was just on autopilot, just thinking that way, freaking myself out, but not letting it like pretending that I had it under control, but just eating like crazy. This morning, I just woke up feeling like crap because I had just put all that junk in my system and had to go and do the meeting. When I got to the meeting, not a single negative comment. Nothing was wrong. Like, sang my praises. It was a beautiful review. I had nothing to worry about. And what's crazy about that is I put myself through a hell through like all of that overeating, through the panic that I was in for a whole night of my life and then a whole morning of my life, all based on something that was never real in the first place. And so what I was journaling about was like trust, and I use the word God in here, but like you could put that with whatever you love, like trust love or trust God more than you trust the fear because the fear costed me a whole night of my life for something that wasn't even real. Mm-hmm. And what was real, yeah, I can't guarantee that that's what's going to happen every time there's going to be a great outcome. But man, the fear is too costly. Like it's too costly on my body. <laughs> I think on a real yeah, practical kind of, level, like we destroy ourselves when we lean into the fear. It, pull, it pulls us away from being present for today. Totally. totally you know and it's it's um it's difficult fear is you know it manifests itself as anxiety and sometimes it can it can really keep people stuck but our our work with fear is experiential you know to work work through it give yourself permission to have the fear um and 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 i think to me i think if you're if you're eating your emotions which that's kind of was you're eating your emotions it's like uh, the best thing that we can do is is be aware that that's what we're doing i don't even know if you knew that that's what you were doing but when we're aware that we're doing that it's like stop and go okay i'm having some really uncomfortable Mm. feelings and i'm not wanting to feel them and Mm. so um kind of um using this self-soothing mechanism perfect way to put it it's like of food totally and it can be anything right like it what's weird is i've never really had that as like a thing with food but but in that night like that was the available thing to me i saw a full pizza and i said well let's do this (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and because that we don't have the alcohol we don't have the substances to kind of numb us and so we're looking we feel uncomfortable and so we're looking any looking for anything that we can to make us feel good you know and um and sometimes that feeling good can be avoidance you know sometimes it can be food sometimes it can be computers sometimes it can be you know whatever it is that's un- unhealthy and you know it's I was talking to somebody today about sometimes the way we deal with fear is practicing avoiding being present you know and uh, and we numb ourselves out and sometimes it feels like it's constructive it's it's still avoidance how how we how we gravitate to anything that can soothe us you know that can that can fix what we're feeling because we you know our automatic go-to is you know fear is really uncomfortable to to sit with and to stay with um and so a lot of times you know we have to take the action that we're afraid of to move through it we got to give ourselves permission to feel the fear again it isn't it isn't the fear necessarily that's stopping us it's the fear of feeling that's it what we're feeling that's stopping that's us it. i 
I used to have to do uh, a cold plunge every morning. It was, it was This is before a cold plunge was trendy. This is at like a very cheap summer mm-hmm. camp that my parents would send me to. But we had to do the morning dip. Every morning you'd wake up and you had to jump in this freezing mm-hmm. cold lake. And uh, and I remember the kids that would do it the best were the ones, because you just had, it was something you had to do. You didn't get breakfast, right? So you just got up and you went for it. The ones that did it the best were the ones that did not overthink it. It was just like, okay automatically getting out of bed. I'm not going to think about the fact that I've got to go and do this and how scary it is and how awful it is. I'm just going to run down the lake, jump in, jump back out and experience it. And they kept saying with me, it'd be, I need to think about, Oh man, it's going to be cold out there. Maybe I should bring the right number of towels. So that when I get out, I don't have a single moment of real cold to experience or whatever it might be. You can't out strategize the fear. That's never gonna work, right? Like so <laughs> It's almost yeah. It's almost it's almost as though we think we're gonna analyze our way out of the uncomfortable and you feelings. Can't. And it, you can't. You can't. It's still gonna feel uncomfortable. Totally. And so basically what you're doing is you're just prolonging the inevitable. You're trying to debate a like <laughs> it's like it's a you've come to a, a, a real deal battle and you've come with like a debate you know, like a microphone that that's not going to work. You have to actually get into action with it and on it. And like that, that's, Mm -hmm. I think when we actually embrace the fear, uh, I I mean, it's not always a great outcome, but I think the, the paradoxical nature of it is that when we actually embrace it and fully feel it, that's when it begins to dissipate and it doesn't have that hold over us. Like, I think it continues Mm -hmm. to have a hold over us as we push it away or we try and distract ourselves away from it it just becomes more powerful. It just becomes more potent and, you know, more toxic. Like to go back to that standing water kind of thing, it just, it, who knows what's going to grow out of that nastiness exactly. <laughs> if it remains exactly. unexamined. Yeah. I don't know where else to go with it. <laughs> it just grew out um, Where are we? Hold on, let's see. It's 17 minutes. We probably need a little bit more on fear. Probably need a little bit more than that. Fear, um, fear, fear. What are you well, afraid th- of? Yeah, I think, I think an interesting thing um, that I have been dealing with a lot, like in the people that I interact with and talk with on a daily basis, is fear of like. Um, I I think when we're in early recovery, a, a big part of our fear is that things won't be like they were before. Right. Like, so, I, I mean, most of the fear that I had in the first year of my sobriety and I continue to have and continue to have these huge whiffs of in my second year of sobriety is, oh, but like back there, it was so great, which is so funny because back there for me, there's nothing good back there. And yet it wasn't. And yet yeah, I have these rosy memories of like, oh, but I was just so happy and at peace with myself and like all that bullshit. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, just not like, true. The fear is that. Oh, will I ever, will I ever have a life that, will I ever get to that point where I'm feeling good about some of the stuff that I got going on? I'm not just in my, my life won't just stay in this spot of total disarray of like discomfort of uncertainty of all of that. And I, I think that the answer in that, at least one of the answers, I'm sure that there are dozens, but the, the answer I've come to is like, I'm not scared of the same things that I'm, I was scared of a year ago. You know, those have changed. Um, and I can mm-hmm. look back because of the spiritual practice that I'm engaged in. Um, I can look back and I can see that my fear has shifted. 
right? My fear, my fear used to be career. My fear used to be money. Now it's like, eh, okay. <laughs> it's not that I have the career mm-hmm. and I have the money. It's just not, that's not so much of a fear to me. And I think that's what a spiritual practice can do to fear is that it doesn't necessarily erase that fear. It just, it, it gives us a new way to look at that thing that we were so afraid of. <laughs> like it's not, it doesn't right. have the same power over us. And you know what I would say? I would say, look around at other people that have stayed in recovery and done the deal. And you can begin to see a group of people that they would have, they would have left if things hadn't gotten better. Right. <laughs> I mean, why the hell would they still be there if it was really that, if it stayed that uncomfortable? That's right. That's right. And so our work is to look at look around us and realize, well, they must they must have gotten through that discomfort of thinking that they're never going to feel good about whatever it was I was concerned about feeling good mm-hmm. about, and um, and so it it must have all worked out for them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be yeah. here. Yeah. And I always tell people, it's like we're the we're the fun loving people, we're the party people, and so if we can't find a party in recovery mm-hmm. that feels uh, like it measures up, then we're probably not going to stick around. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, goodness, the, the magic happens <laughs> and the party happens when you begin to stick around. Like, I think when you stick in those environments, mm-hmm. I, I think when we're in early recovery too, we're so used to the fact that like drugs and alcohol used to take us to a place with another human being of intimacy, of like fun or whatever that was. We relied on that to kind of unlock everything. And in recovery, what I found is like you, you can get even further than the unlocked place. You can get to these relationships that yeah. are so brilliantly like intimate and beautiful. Um, it just a lot of times like it's just about letting you settle to the point that you can actually be in those relationships. And that takes time. And the bravest thing you can do is just sit still <laughs> for as long as you can. And, and tr- kind of and just kind of trust the journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like really our willingness to trust the journey. I always like to tell people in recovery that's like you know what when the more you start to create a life that feels like you want to show up for it uh you'll keep showing up and showing up could just be just remaining in the same place i i always think about the fact that i was taught when i was a kid if you get lost you stay in the same spot like that's that's what my my Mm -hmm. parents and adults would always say teachers they would be like if you get lost just stay here like don't run around trying to find the other person you're just going to cause yeah. more disarray and i think w- you'll be harder to find when yeah. we're in recovery we're coming in and we're really lost and the best thing we can do is just stay still <laughs> come in there sit just stay, and just still. stay still and let yourself be don't, found and, you know yeah and and don't make any big big deals in you know in the early part because we don't have to you know we just we just need to sit kind of sit on your hands basically (laughs) and uh but i think you know i think you know the more we kind of stay still the more we start to feel those moments to feel it's like wow that feels Mm. good i'm just like look at what look at the work i'm doing i mean look at the work that you're doing um it's uh, really powerful i mean you got a lot of stuff going on you got a baby coming on you're working at your church we're doing the podcast you're meet working with people and you know, when you and I first started doing this podcast, things weren't looking the same as they are <laughs> right certainly now. Certainly not in the back of the 2007 Jetta recording readings. Yeah, no. Um, and I, I think, but that's a. And so all we, all we, yeah, all we have to do is look at the trail. Mm. You know, follow the trail mm. back, and it's like, where did I? Where am I today? 
and where did I come mm. from? Yeah. And 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 what's happened for me? And so whatever's happened between those first couple of days and where you're at now, you kind of double that, and it's like that was the growth that happened between then and today, and between now and a year and a half from now. Wow, what what do I imagine that will look exactly. like? Exactly. I keep seeing there's a building right here in Culver City where we live. It's like across the creek from where we live, and it's got it's called the Rap Building. If any of you um, sort of archi archi architectural nerds are listening. Um, it's a beautiful new building that's up there. It's, it, it looks completely unique from anything I've ever seen. And uh, it's got scaffolding. It's gone all the way to the top, so we couldn't see what the building looked like yet. And now as it's begun to be finished, what they're doing is they're removing the scaffolding from the top to the bottom, and it, the building is emerging. And I just thought about the fact that like, I've been here for like four months in this new, new house and in this new neighborhood, and already you know, the scaffolding on this new building it's already come down like three quarters of the way. If they can do that to a building, like what can the universe or God do to my life in that time? You know, just taking off those layers of scaffolding and showing the beauty that's that's been there, that was always designed to be there. 